Bill Federer here. In this episode of How We Got Here, we are going to look at the history of education. Most of world history, only the elites were educated, while the masses of people were not. In ancient Egypt, for example, they had 3,000 hieroglyphic characters, and only 1% of the country could read. Knowledge is power, wrote Sir Francis Bacon in his Sacred Meditations, 1597, and only the elites had knowledge and they had the power. When Moses came down the mountain, Mount Sinai, around 1400 BC, he had the Ten Commandments in a 22-character alphabet. The first letter was Aleph, the second letter was Beth, sound familiar? It was so easy to learn, children could read. Ancient Israel was the first nation in world history with a literate population. They were also the first nation with millions of people and no king. For that first 400 years, they had self-government. They were referred to as the people of the book. When the 12 tribes of Israel entered the promised land, the tribe of Asher settled near the Phoenicians, a sea people who sailed the Mediterranean. The ancient Hellenistic Jewish historian Eubolemus wrote, Moses was the first wise man that he taught the alphabet to the Jews who passed it on to the Phoenicians who passed it on to the Greeks, as quoted by Eusebius of Caesarea in his Preparatario Evangelica 313 AD. Ancient Greeks spread literacy west into Rome, just as ancient Syrians spread literacy east into Central Asia. After Constantine transitioned the Roman Empire to be Christian, St. Jerome translated the Bible from Greek into Latin around 382 to 405 AD. A St. Frumentius brought Christianity to the African kingdom of Ascom and is credited with developing the Gizi script and the first Gizi translation of the New Testament. In the 5th century, though, the Huns and the Visigoths invaded Europe. This was followed by Islamic warriors conquering North Africa and much of the Mediterranean in the 7th century. Europe fell into nearly a thousand years of illiteracy. Paper was at a shortage because the papyrus reeds could not be brought across the Mediterranean to Europe. They wrote on expensive things like parchment, which was deer skin and ox skin and sheep skin. This period of time was called the Dark Ages. Well, during this time, St. Patrick and the Irish monks evangelized Ireland, and they preserved literacy in monasteries. St. Boniface, or Winfred, evangelized and brought literacy to the Germanic tribes. In the ninth century, St. Cyril, the apostle to the Slavs, translated the Bible into the Cyrillic alphabet and brought literacy to Eastern Europe and Russia. Then the Vikings invaded Europe, 
And this was followed by the Mongols of the 13th century. Reading and writing were preserved during the Dark Ages by monks in fortified monasteries. During this time, education was mostly for religious clergy and the elites. Then the Turks invaded the Byzantine Empire in the 15th century. Greek scholars fled west with their Greek art, architecture, literature, and scriptures, sparking an explosion of knowledge called the Renaissance. The 16th century saw the Age of Discovery and the Scientific Revolution. At this time, Martin Luther began the Reformation. He translated the Bible into German and spread the Reformation with the help of Gutenberg's invention of the printing press. French author Victor Hugo wrote, whether it be providence or fate, Gutenberg is the precursor of Luther. As the Bible was translated from Greek and Latin into the various common languages of the Europeans, people studied the scriptures and taught them to their children. People not only experienced spiritual awakening, they also studied the era of Israel's history before it had its first king, a period called the Hebrew Republic. This inspired the colonists who settled America in the 17th century to educate children for self-government. They used the New England Primer, which taught the alphabet using biblical lessons. Every colony was founded by a different Christian denomination, and they set up their own educational system. Virginia was an Anglican colony, and it set up William and Mary College. Massachusetts was Puritan, and it had Harvard. Connecticut was Congregational, and it had Yale. New Jersey was Presbyterian, and it had Princeton. Rhode Island was Baptist, and it had Brown University. New York was Anglican, and it had Columbia University. New Hampshire was Congregational, and it had Dartmouth, etc. Many of these colleges were started for the purpose of training Christian ministers and missionaries. Then in the 18th century, Napoleon conquered Europe. There were some 6 million deaths and lots of orphans. Johann Heinrich Pestalozzi met with Napoleon asking for help to educate orphans, but Napoleon was not interested. Pestalozzi acquired an abandoned monastery in Switzerland and started a school for orphans. He founded schools in Germany and then in France. This inspired America's founders to set up common schools for poor immigrant children. They decided these common public schools would only teach what all denominations held in common, such as the King James Bible, the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, the Our Father. Public common schools used Noah Webster's Blue Bat Speller, which included a moral catechism. It sold over 100 million copies. When the Irish potato famine began in the early 1800s, millions of Irish Catholics 
flooded into Boston, Philadelphia, and New York. A controversy arose over what Catholic children were being taught in Protestant common public schools. In response, Archbishop John Hughes of New York started a parochial school system for Catholic children. For the next century, two school systems existed in America, the public common schools, which were Protestant, and the parochial schools, which were Catholic. Public schools largely used Presbyterian minister William Holmes McGuffey's readers, which contained biblical moral lessons. They sold a million copies a year for 120 years. In 1947, the Supreme Court began to take control of the public education systems away from the states and concentrated into the federal government with the Everson case. In 1954, President Eisenhower added under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. He stated on Flag Day, June 14, 1954, from this day forward, millions of our school children will daily proclaim in every city and town, every village and rural schoolhouse, the dedication of our nation and our people to the Almighty. To anyone who truly loves America, nothing could be more inspiring than this rededication of our youth on each school morning to our country's true meaning. In this way, we are reaffirming the transcendence of religious faith in America's heritage and future. In this way, we shall constantly strengthen those spiritual weapons, which forever will be our country's most powerful resource in peace or in war. In 1963, the radical militant atheist Madeleine Murray O'Hare sued to get prayer and Bible reading taken out of the public schools. In 1963, Democrat Congressman Albert Herlong Jr. of Florida warned of the socialist communist agenda infiltrating the public schools. He read into the congressional record the list of communist goals, which included eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expression in the schools on the grounds that it violates the principles of separation of church and state. Control schools, use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften curriculum, get control of teachers associations, put party line in textbooks, control student newspapers, infiltrate churches, replace revealed religion with social religion, discredit the Bible, and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need a religious crutch, discredit American culture, discredit the family as an institution, encourage promiscuity and divorce, present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, healthy. W.E.B. Dubois was a founder of the NAACP and joined the Communist Party in 1961. He wrote in his autobiography, I think the greatest gift 
of the Soviet Union to modern civilization was the dethronement of the clergy and the refusal to let religion be taught in the public schools. In 1979, President Jimmy Carter started the Department of Education. Public schools and teachers associations gradually shifted from academic achievement to social emotional learning. It was a process of using peer pressure to have children give up views and adopt new views, such as critical race theory, and then promote novel ideologies, including LGBTQ plus transgenderism, Sharia, socialism, and even Satan clubs. In response to the moral drift in public schools, away from the former founding values of the country, there has been an unprecedented growth in Christian schools, classical schools, charter schools, micro schools, and homeschooling. In closing, let me share a lesson from McGuffey's Eclectic First Reader, which were used in American schools for over a century. The lesson is titled Evening Prayer. At the close of the day, before you go to sleep, you should not fail to pray to God to keep you from sin and from harm. You should thank him for all his good gifts and learn while young to put your trust in him and the kind care of God will be with you. Well, I hope you have found this episode of How We Got Here interesting. God bless you.